Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond Bikini Radio. Today's guest is Emmy Vasquez. Oh, boy, I butchered that, didn't I? How are you doing today, Emmy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. If you want to, you can correct me on how to pronounce your last name, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, so it's Vasquez. I know a lot of people butcher it, but it's completely fine. Perfect. Well, thank you for hopping on, Emmy. You said that you're in Austin, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm currently based in Austin. I'm originally from Nashville, but living in texas which i never thought i'd do yeah are you liking it yeah i love it i who can complain about it being 50 in january so yeah definitely i feel the same way i came from ohio now i live in florida so i can't complain i mean i know it was like negative 10 there over this past week i'm like thank god i'm here (laughs) yeah it's been crazy like i know a lot of people got really bad weather last week but Mm mm-hmm it is. Hey guys, if you're finding Beyond the Bikini helpful, you might also like my Instagram and my TikTok. I'm your host, Nicole Farrier, and you can find me at Nicole Farrier Fitness on Instagram and TikTok. There, I drop more fitness tips where I cover similar topics as I do here on Beyond the Bikini. Make sure you check them out in the description down below. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm an intuitive eating registered dietitian, and um, I help women rebuild trust with their bodies after a long period of dieting, restricting, binging, and things like that. Um, and so do you want me to talk about like my backstory with food or yeah. like, okay. Cause I feel like it's very niche to like get into this space of focusing on food relationship. Cause I feel like dietetics can be very like to the point versus like following different branches of nutrition. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We can talk about that as well because dietetics is a whole other, a whole other thing, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I, you know, I struggled with my relationship with food for so many years. Um, it started at a very young age, which I do think is the case for a lot of women. Um, you know, I think, I started to struggle with food around the age of like 13 years old and had a lot of body image issues. And I think when you're at the age, you're just very vulnerable to like diet culture and like seeing all these, you know, quick fixes, these things that you can do to lose weight. Um, so, you know, me and my little innocent brain was like hopping right on to all those things. And, you know, it was a really just this downward spiral with my relationship with food for so many years throughout the span of like middle school, high school, and even into college. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight over and over and over again. Um, Until I reached my breaking point in college, I realized I can't do this myself anymore. Like I can't continue to lose weight and gain weight and not take care of my health. Um, And I was just seeing the, both the physical and the mental drawbacks to what not giving your body enough fuel actually did. Um, you know, for so many years I lost my period 
And I was mm-hmm. like, well, this, this isn't normal. This can't be normal. And so having to deal with all of these red flags of, you know, how my mental health was affecting my life, but also those physical aspects as well of like not being able to, you know, get into sports or go to the gym because I was not healthy um, really was my breaking point in realizing that, you know, I really do need to take charge of my health so that I can, you know, move on with my life, start my life as, you know, as a dietitian, but I can't do that if I'm not taking care of myself. So it really was a rocky journey, but I think it's brought me exactly where it needs to be in life. Do you feel like in your journey, you were more so struggling with like, like the wrong diet approaches or was it like disordered eating? So my backstory, my own personal story was disordered eating. It was definitely like I had that, you know, whole diagnosis of having anorexia. And I think it was, at, it reached a point where it was more like orthorexia for most mm-hmm. of it. Um, but I do work with a lot of dieters as well. So I've never really done like traditional like diets. Like I know a lot of people do like Weight Watchers and things like that not, not ever my background. It was more just like the disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So probably like more restrictive, more extreme and coming from again, like that negative spot, which it's so sad that that happened at 13. Like I know when I started dieting, I was only 14. And I look back and I'm like, gosh, you're just like a kid. And you just don't even realize that you put so much pressure on yourself. For sure. Do you feel like, um, like when you were growing up that there was pressure around that time. I don't know how old you are. So I don't know if you like felt it from media or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm 26 now and I have a lot to reflect on, even just like thinking back to it. Um, I do think media played a big role in it. I just remember, like, I actually have little snippets of my memory. I'm like, I remember going into like Google and as soon as you open up Google, there would be like advertisements or like even just articles about like, you know, ways to lose weight ways to get a slim belly. And like, these are the foods to eat. These are the foods to avoid. And my thinking was like, okay, I like was writing down this. These are the foods I need to eat. These are the foods I need to stay away from. And I remember that was when I started counting calories. And Mm -hmm. I, before that had no idea what a calorie was like, didn't even pay attention. And I just remember it becoming this, this rabbit hole of like fear that I developed around all these foods. And so it was just, like I said, I like to refer to it as like a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're at a, such a young age. You don't, I think, really know how to comprehend that kind of information. Well, not even that. I mean, like now that we have like reels and TikTok, we have full grown adults that can't distinguish between what is good nutrition information and what is bad nutrition information. And same goes for exercise. So like if you're you know, a teenager or tween or whatever, you're going to have a hard time distinguishing like what you should be listening to. And I mean, thinking about dieting at that point, that's another conversation for another podcast. But I think that there's just more pressure even now. Like I'm so thankful that I'm not growing up now because it would be so confusing. Oh my God. I can't even imagine like the access to so much information then I put that in quotes because it's like really is this even like is it even real um Mm -hmm. all the information you get from social media and TikTok it's insane that you have access to all these things at the touch of a button like the touch of your phone which is I think something that can be really detrimental for for the young audience that is having phones at a younger age too we need the little like false 
false um information or something like that and like certain posts are like this this post may be misleading <laughs> or like that little caution of like this could cause danger potential harm yeah yeah so let's talk about some red red flags with your relationship with food i think many of these things can be normalized and people don't recognize that they could possibly be struggling do you want to share some red flags that you feel like you personally ignored and or see with some of your clients yeah, this is a great, this is a great topic. And I would say like one of the biggest red flags is how often are you thinking about food? Mm -hmm. That's usually the first thing I ask clients is like, how often are we thinking about food? Is it something where it's like, as soon as you wake up, you're thinking about what your day is going to look like. Have you like pre-planned the entire day? Are we thinking about what we're eating for, for lunch when we're eating breakfast? Or are we already thinking about what we're going to have for our night snack or like a nightly binge at the beginning part of the day. Um, and that can translate into behaviors of like, I need to be quote unquote good today, or I need to be restricting so that I can have X, Y, Z later on. And that can spiral into that habit of like restricting and overeating and restricting and overeating, um, which is a pattern that I know that I was in for so long and I didn't even realize that that was an issue. Um, mm -hmm. That's one I would say. And I also think it's not talked about enough, but just like the obsession that can develop with numbers. And I know you you do work with people who track um, and this may not be the case for everybody, but I think it's so worth exploring, you know, the people that do maybe have more of that type A personality, mm -hmm. how tracking can sometimes be disordered for some people. Um, yeah you know, tracking macros, calories, or even steps. Yeah. I think it's just data overload. Like some of the people that like, they want the aura ring, they want all this data, but then it's like, well, why are you basing the success of your day off of all that data? Or like, are you becoming so out of tune with like how your body's actually feeling? And there's many people that will like push themselves or if they have like a goal to hit, they always try to go above and beyond, right? The overachiever. And that can be really dangerous. I mean, I even see people who track macros and they're like, well, I'm in a fat loss phase. If I eat less, like, isn't that good? Like I'm in more of a deficit. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we got to really think about are these certain data points helping you or are they hurting you? And I think in many cases it can be helpful, but in a lot of cases for some people, it can also be not helpful at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember I had a client and she was like, she kind of equated tracking macros to her clean the plate mentality. Like it's kind of like, well, mm -hmm. these are the amount that I have allotted to me. So I'm always cleaning the plate or like, it just becomes, again, I know it's going to be very individualized to each person, but I think it's really important to assess, like, can you, can you trust your body if you're not tracking, mm -hmm. you know, can you truly trust your body? Yeah. I think the goal should always be to like, we should learn how to live without tracking as well. And I think many people unfortunately go into it and they don't have an exit strategy or it becomes something that it shouldn't like a disorder because they have anxiety. They can't let go of it when they go on vacation. You know, it's that crutch for them, but know that the goal should never be to be tracking macros for the rest of your life. Like that's not a great spot to be. I don't think anyone wants to be 80 years old, like tracking macros. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I even, I put this out there one time. It's like, unless you're training for like a bikini competition, you don't need to be eating and training like you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, I actually, I compete as well. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, this is that body is temporary. The, the measures you take are temporary. You have to learn how to have that balance. And many people don't. And that's why they burn out. And I don't think, again, many people can compete and do it healthy because it's hard to have that switch. It's hard to find that balance after. And, and many people can only be on and only be extreme, but you have to learn how to pull back. And if you don't, it's going to be bad for you physically, but it's also going to be bad for you mentally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know if you experience this, but it's something that I've heard very often, like after, after a show like that, it's like you end up binging or you end up having a lot of those extreme cravings, um, which is also another red flag that I see with people who, you know, severely undereat or have mm -hmm. a, I guess, distorted perception of like what really is enough food for me. Um, cause I've had clients come to me and they thought like 1500 calories was enough food. And it's like, girl, you are so active. That is not enough food for you. Um, yeah. I think that can also be a huge red flag. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think, um, kind of adding on to that is micro meals. Like many people, like women in particular, they're filling up on like a 200 calorie meal, right? And then they're wondering why they're not satisfied or why they need like another coffee. And it's like, you're just not giving your body enough energy. And it's also hard to develop. I see this in women who are working on building their calories up coming from that, um, that dieting past where they're not used to feeling full. So then they're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like I, this, like, I feel like I'm eating too much. And it's like, no, you're supposed to feel satisfied after a meal. And that feeling can be very disconnected. And it's just basically not being connected to your hunger and satiety cues. I mean, I know for myself, there is a period where I lost them for a year, you know, it took a really long time to get them back. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Emmy. Do you have any experience with that? Oh, girl. Yeah. Like, I think, um, I think back to like, when I was tracking my food. Um, I was very into that, like IIFYM kind of mentality. Like, you remember back when, when like all of that, like first started, like, I remember it's like the microwaved quest bars, <laughs> literally like the quest bars, the halo top, the everything, everything. I was definitely team all of that. And I just remember having such a disconnect from my body where I was so used to volume eating that mm -hmm. all I knew was either I'm starving or I'm way too full there was never like this comfortable level of like, I'm satisfied both mm -hmm. mentally and physically, because when I was eating a lot of the volume foods, I was still wanting more food. And I felt like, why do I want more food? I'm eating all of this food. And it's like, I wasn't getting enough calories. I wasn't getting the actual foods that my body actually needed. Yeah. It's, um, it's that mental restriction or like actual caloric restriction, but mental restriction is huge. Like your meals aren't going to be satisfying if you really want rice, but you're only letting yourself have cauliflower rice. Or if you really want that, like piece of salmon versus like the leaner protein, like chicken or white fish, it's like, you're going to feel like something is missing if that's something you're doing chronically. And then before you know it, you're going to have a whole list of foods that you're like, well, that's just off the table. So what, what do you have left? You only have volume foods left to like fill up your day to like feel something. <laughs> yeah. To feel something. Um, no, I totally understand that. And you have to ask yourself too. It's like, am I able to even go out to eat? Like, mm -hmm. can I go out to eat and not stress about it and, you know, be able to navigate the menu without 
thinking about the rest of the day or worrying about what it's going to do to you. That was a big thing for me. It's like, I want to be able to live my life, go out with my friends, you know, go on dates and not feel like I need to restrict myself the entire day just to go out for that one meal. Yeah. Let's kind of add on to that. So what's a piece of advice that you would have for someone who's in that spot where they feel guilty if they go out to eat, or they feel like they're out of control when they go out to eat because they're not the ones cooking their food. What sort of advice would you have for that person if they're wanting to take a step and branch into incorporating that more into their life? Yeah. I mean, as far as like navigating restaurants, I think we have, we have to not make it mean so much. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people think, oh my gosh, I'm going out to a restaurant. You know, there's going to be so many calories in this food. And it's like, one, we don't actually know. We don't actually know. And one meal, one day is not going to make or break your health. It's not going to make or break anything, honestly. It's just one meal that one day. And if you can allow yourself to go out for one meal one day, I mean, that's that's not going to do anything. And you have to not make it mean so much in the sense of like, if you make it mean a lot, like this one meal is going to make or break everything that likely is going to result in one or two things. You're either going to binge eat when you go out to eat, or you're going to restrict yourself, not have a good time. And you may end up coming home and eating more food. And that used Mm -hmm. to be something I would do. It's like, I would only get like a salad with chicken and I would be like, I'm, I would come home after and just like need more snacks. So it's like, you get, you get to make that choice. It's like, I can go out, order what I want, eat until I'm satisfied and just move on mm-hmm. knowing that the next day doesn't have to revolve around restriction. Yeah. It, it all comes from that after, like you said, like you don't have to restrict the next day. You don't have to do more exercise the next day. Like when you look at something in terms of punishment, then that cycle is going to continue on versus if you even had a day where you overate, you just acknowledge, oh, I overate today just an acknowledgement that it doesn't have to be anything where you punish yourself or, you know, maybe you even connect the dots on like, Oh, how can I maybe be more mindful? So that doesn't happen. Cause that felt a little bit uncomfortable, you know, just learn from the situation versus punish yourself from it. And when it comes to going out to eat, I know something that helped me was just like, I actually like created a list of different foods that I avoided or like things I knew like were my favorite things And I worked on slowly incorporating them so I could like build trust. So like I would have a meal out and then the next day, it's kind of like that silly meme where that guy's like, oh, but did you die? And it's like, no, like you didn't, like you're fine. So that took a really long time for me to do. But when I did that, I had way less anxiety. I felt like this huge weight off my shoulders because who wants to go to a restaurant and get just like chicken and salad and then still be hungry after? (laughs) Right. No, that's, that's, that's actually something I do recommend my clients do. It's like the food exposure. Um, You're not going to overcome a fear if you never face it. So I think, you know, creating that list and maybe, you know, having, you know, checking off one food each week, you know, can I challenge myself to have this one food this week and see how it goes for me? I think it's a great Mm -hmm. approach. It's the whole, like you're trying to control food, but food's actually controlling you. Exactly. Totally flip-flopped. So when it comes to gaining some your satiety cues back, um, have you noticed any correlations with like certain clients, like strategies that help them 
or again, feel free to share like your own experience of getting your own satiety signals back. Cause that's a big one. It's hard to have a better relationship with food when you always feel maybe empty after your meals or you're constantly thinking about that next meal. Mm -hmm. So from a physical standpoint, we have to understand that if your body's not getting something, it's going to ask more of it. It's going to ask you more. It's going to say, Hey, we're going to need something. And so let's say, for example, you eat a meal and you're still thinking about food after ask yourself, like, what am I thinking about for me? Like, I remember I always crave peanut butter. I was like, I'm always craving fats. So mm -hmm. when I was actually taking a look at my diet, I'm like, I'm really not eating enough fats. And if I'm eating fats, I'm eating them in a very restricted amount. So if your body's telling you it needs more of something, it's your guide. Your body, your cravings are basically your guide. Um, if mm -hmm. you're craving more carbs, you know, are we eating enough carbs? Is there mm -hmm. a part of it that's maybe saying, oh, like we can have carbs, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to control myself. I'm going to live on myself. So the physical and the mental restriction will tell you a lot about your cravings as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I always like to start with like asking, you know, can we make sure that we're eating at least three meals a day? Cause I know some people are not even doing that three meals a day and maybe eating every three to four hours so that our blood sugar is not dipping. Um, because I know when we exceed that four to five hour mark for most people, especially if we're not eating enough to begin with, it can lead to more cravings. Um, mm -hmm. I think even to some people prefer having like three big meals and maybe a snack in there. Some people prefer, you know, they, they feel more satisfied having like three meals and three snacks. So mm -hmm. I think it's just finding the approach that's going to work the best for you so that we're not constantly thinking about food. It's like, can we eat and like move on with our day? Yeah. Again, guys, she said what works best for you. So this means you're going to have to experiment and see what is, what is and isn't working. Like, don't look at what someone, someone else is posting online because you might be the frequent eater. You might be the person who needs those larger meals. And um, that might mean breaking some of your rules because, you know, the less you eat, you know, those meals might even be bigger in size and you have to get comfortable with that. Um, but I think another thing to add to the satiety cues coming from kind of like the bodybuilding space, if you don't have a healthy level of body fat on your body, it's going to be really hard for your body to tell you it's full because your leptin levels are going to be all sorts of wacky. And until you can get that, those levels up, which a lot of people will fight that you're not going to feel fully better. So if you're someone that is coming from that leaner background or, you know, even over exercising, you're going to have to be patient with your body while you allow for it to get healthier too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super important to bring up about the body fat levels because it really it really will make a big difference in like your thoughts about food. Mm -hmm. I know for me, like there's like a certain weight where I'm like, okay, my body knows what to do again. But like if I get too lean, then it's like, of course, you're going to be hungry at that point. And I think a lot of women put pressure on themselves to maintain a physique that's too lean for their body and learning like, hey, you could be a lot happier if you just let yourself gain like maybe five pounds. Yeah. For real, for real. And I totally feel that because again, I got into like lifting at a very, I would say like in, in high school. And when I got super, super shredded, I had no interest in men. My interest, <laughs> my interest is like literally was in food. It was like yeah. in food and exercise. And it's like, as a female, it's normal to have a sex drive. Yeah. 
Um, this is a great thing that you're bringing up too, because I had my group coaching call and something that they talked about uh, one of my clients. She's like, I wish I could just eat like my husband. I was like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, when he's hungry, he goes into the kitchen, he grabs a snack and he moves on. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't overanalyze it. And I was like, do you know why that is? And she's just like, no, why? It's like, because guys don't have that pressure of dieting as much like women do. We always like have this pressure on our bodies and food and where a lot of men, I don't want to say no men, because that's not true, but most men don't go through that sort of experience. And so they're way more in tune with their bodies. And <laughs> it was just so interesting to me to see all these women be like, yeah, like I've, I've never really seen my husband struggle with things like that. Um, and when people say I, I want to eat normal, I kind of think about eating like a guy because they do seem pretty in tune, like with their hunger and satiety signals and like what their body needs. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Like, I completely agree. My brothers are like that. And my dad was like that. And it's like, we're all born natural intuitive eaters until, mm -hmm. you know, society convinces us that, you know, especially as women, like we need to be eating a certain way to look a certain way. And it's like, that's when it throws everything off. But mm -hmm. we all have that natural ability to come back to our bodies and recognize that when we actually do pay attention to what our body's telling us, it's going to guide you in the right way. And I know mm -hmm. many people have this fear of like, well, if I'm not tracking everything forever, like I am going to gain weight. How do you know? Yeah, you really never know until you give it a go. And there seems to be this like fear mentality behind like, you can't trust your body or like your body's going to lie to you. But in reality, your body's pretty smart. I mean, if you're constantly dieting, like you are going to be overriding your hunger signals all the time, because we know being in a deficit, some hunger signaling is going to happen. But I think people get nervous of like creating that trust with their body, but you have to create a healthy environment to build that trust again. And your body's not against you. Your body doesn't want you to be unhealthy. Your body doesn't want you to have low energy. Like your body is just doing its best and it wants you to survive and thrive. Your body wants you to have a libido. Your body wants you to have a menstrual cycle. Like your body knows what it wants. It's just, I think sometimes we fight it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do think that fitness culture can be very toxic too. I mean, you, you've seen it, like there's just so many really toxic messages too. And oh, it's weird in my space in particular, you know, to say like, oh, I like bodybuilding, but I also really love not tracking my food when I'm not getting ready for a competition. And I also don't think we should glorify binging after shows and stuff like that, you know? And I don't think that we should maintain that, you know, a lot of, a lot of bodybuilders are walking around like super lean all the time. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, let's stop that. And part of me is like, Sometimes I wish I didn't like the sport so much, but growing up as a gymnast, I really fell in love with like performing in that way, but it's hard. You know, I'm sure that you see a lot of content, especially as a dietitian, you're like, you probably want to shake some people <laughs> like through the screen with some of the stuff that you see. Is there anything in this space in particular that you feel like really needs to be worked on or like you would like to see less of like this year? I honestly feel like there's, we are like overfilled with like those, what I eat in a day videos. And again, teach their own. Some people might find them helpful in mm -hmm. my experience. And I've seen a lot of them that it doesn't show the full picture. None of mm -hmm. them do. I've even, I honestly think that some of them lie. Some of them are lying, like what they're, what they're actually eating. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's just so important to understand that like somebody else's what I eat in a day video 
it's not going to make you look like them. And it's not going to be something that might work for you either. Um, and I'm all for like, you know, sharing like fun meal ideas and things like that through like, you know, through, like these are some things that ate throughout the week, but everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's mm-hmm. on their own journey. And it's never going to be helpful to compare what you're eating to somebody else's different chapter of their life. Um, yeah. Especially like a lot of those fitness influencers who, again, they have to be lean for like, whether they were like a model or they are competing, it's like, that's, that's the lifestyle that they've chosen, but what they're doing might not be sustainable for the average person. I even think you you talked about orthorexia and you see some people like fruititarians or people that have very rigid uh, diet diet lifestyles I guess you could say that they follow and it's like someone's going to see them that could be really dangerous I mean eating you know 20 bananas in a day and not getting any protein for prolonged periods of time or not getting any fats and it's like people see that and they see the body and they think well if I eat like that I will look like that and it's like no that's not the case and you also don't know what that person is doing like you said behind closed doors Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I don't think I I didn't talk about this but back in college, I was like, I got really invested into like the vegan space. And I'm not saying that vegan (laughs) diet, because I'm going to get a lot of pushback from that. But like, I was like, seeing all this craze about being vegan as being like the healthiest thing you could ever do for yourself back in college. And I was like, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try that because I want to feel good. Oh my gosh, literally, like that's when my health was the worst. I lost so much muscle, so much weight. And I look back at pictures of myself and I was just so malnourished because I wasn't eating enough. And it was also like, I wasn't eating enough protein either. I actually want to add a red flag. And this just made me think of it. If you're watching the 10 K calorie challenges or watching like, what are they called? The monk monk bangs where people just sit and eat like large, massive amounts of food, or you have like an over like high interest in what other people are eating definitely a sign to really look at your relationship with food because you know how one person eats like it should just be whatever you know what what they're doing for their body Mm -hmm. that's a big one that's a big one because when you really do have a good relationship with food it's like you don't really care anymore like I stopped caring like I was like I don't even want to watch like what other people are doing all the time like I really have so many other interests outside of food Mm-hmm. I think recipes, all that are great, but like, I'm not going to watch someone's full day of eating over and over and over and over again. It's just like repetitive and not helpful. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but like, I don't even change my meals up all the time. Like I find something I like and then I burn myself out on it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like I have my own ta- taste preferences and like, I love the foods that I eat. So like, I'm kind of like a meal repeater, but then I like fixate on something else when I try like a new combination of something and like that's my new meal for like the next couple of weeks and then I change it again. so yeah yeah definitely tell us a little bit more about you becoming a dietitian and you kind of talked about how you had some thoughts on their approach to nutrition so let's expand upon that and then how again you decide to branch more into this route that you're currently in yeah so in the traditional dietetic space, I feel like there's a lot of things that are very outdated when it comes to 
at least what I was taught in college about nutrition. I remember Mm -hmm. reading a lot of the textbooks, going to class and like just hearing a lot of like what these older teachers were teaching. I'm like, I think we've come a long way from this. And I don't agree a lot with the standard American diet approach that the nutrition space holds. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an intuitive eating dietitian, I also really do value like holistic health and like understanding that there's so many different modalities to eating that may not fit into what America, the my plate method uh, per se. So I think it's, it's really, when you think about nutrition, it's always going to be individualized always going to be individualized. We can't just say that everybody needs to be eating this, this way for like ever. When, when we actually look at like the world and like our cult, like so many different cultures, they're not eating this quote unquote perfect way. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think about it in that way, it can be very, again, black or white when it comes to health. So that's kind of why I was like, I don't want to be a clinical dietitian. I don't want to be working in like the hospital where they're going to be telling me you need to be prescribing diets this way. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to take things in my own hands because I feel like every single person deserves more help on a more individualized level, not just yeah. like textbook, you know, people are just like a, a diet prescription, you know, exactly. So, yeah. and I'm, I'm very much so like, I want to stay up to date with everything. Yeah. I, um, it makes me think about this. I, I only minored in nutrition. I have my undergrad in exercise science, but I'll, I had a nutrition professor and I was like sharing how much protein I was eating. Mind you, my goal was to build muscle and that's the nuance too, right? Are we talking general population? Are we talking an athlete? Are we talking someone who just has a very active job? Like there's so much nuance in nutrition, but not when you're learning nutrition, from the start, it's very one size fits all. And I shared my protein intake. I'll never forget. She's like, you're going to just get big and bulky. I was like, oh my gosh, one, you don't ever say that to a female, but two, it was incorrect, you know? And she even like, we, she went around and like looked at our different protein bars and was just like hypercritical of each and every single one and using bad food terms. Like this, this is good. This is bad. I'm like, this whole class is bad, you know? (laughs) And it's like very interesting because your take on nutrition too can be molded by, you know, the type of professors that you had or the people that were teaching you. And even if you like for our listeners, like even if you're not going to school for this, like your relationship with nutrition was probably brought up by your parents and the people that were surrounding you. So you got to be careful with, with what you absorbed and what you ignored. Exactly. Exactly. No, I 110% agree with you that I think there's an old mindset and there's obviously like a more open mindset. And we have to constantly understand that nutrition is evolving. It's always evolving. We're always learning new things. And Mm -hmm. I totally understand like that whole protein thing. I don't think that the RDA for protein is enough for somebody who is very active. Yeah. And then it can be so confusing. (laughs) So, Emmy, tell us a little bit more about your Instagram. What made you want to start and kind of like your mission with your page? Yeah, so I honestly started my Instagram like way back when I was like, just like food blogging for fun. And obviously as like to document like my own recovery journey and 
that's kind of why I was like, you know, eventually when I become a dietitian, I want to use this account to help others. So I definitely mm -hmm. navigated it very at a very like young age. Um, but as far as like, again, kind of using my story with my, you know, going to school to become a dietitian, I very much so knew I wanted to help others. Um, I like went into college. I'm like, one day I'm going to start my business and one day I'm going to coach people. And that's kind of how it just developed over time. Now, obviously social media is the worst. <laughs> social media can be just the worst. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm definitely going to use this and try to get my message out there. And it's just been ever going since. Like, I love what I do. I love being able to just even be somebody who can inspire somebody or at least create acknowledgement around these issues. Um, because I think that there's people who are aware that they struggle and there's people who don't, who, who don't have the, that awareness yet. So mm -hmm. that's really just my goal is just to create that awareness, um, to show people that you don't have to, you know, diet the rest of your life. You don't have to be struggling with food forever and that there is a life outside of everything like that. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of tricky, like coming from that dietitian space too, where someone might have the, the thought of like, oh, well, she is just going to write me that diet prescription or like, tell me what I can and can't eat. Like, do you feel like you have to constantly like change that narrative? Um, I wouldn't say like, I do have to be very like specific about like the way that I approach my clients and just kind of like, I always like to be really transparent. Like, nope, I'm not like a traditional dietitian. I'm definitely going to work with you on a more like individualized level, because I think that's what, that's definitely a stereotype that, you know, mm -hmm. about dietitians is like, whenever I tell somebody I'm a dietitian, they're like, oh, like you create meal plans for people or you tell yeah. people to lose weight. And it's like, no, let's back up there because I promise you the work that I do is a lot more meaningful. Yeah. Did you do like a specific internship that kind of reflected what you're doing now? Or was your internship like not related to this type of field that you're in? The internship that I did was like a seven month unpaid internship. I actually paid, paid to work. Um. Yeah, it's great. Great, great time. Um, but there, I guess there was different categories. There was a clinical rotation, a food service rotation and, um, community. And then we had one month of business coaching and mm -hmm. I was like, I'm only concerned about the business coaching. I didn't want to do anything else, but that actually was a clear indicator for me that I definitely didn't want to do the traditional routes. Um, I knew yeah. very much so. I was like, I'm definitely just want to focus on the business. Um, and that's kind of where I just took all my energy. Yeah. I feel you on the clinical stuff. I started out going to school with like physical therapy and I was putting in my hours and then I just lost my mind one day. It's like, I cannot do this. I, I want to do it, but like, I couldn't force myself to like it. Yeah. Nine to five job. Like that's one thing I say about entrepreneurship. I traded the nine to five for working 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, same. But it is nice to kind of take something you're passionate about and turn it into your job because obviously this, you didn't know when you were 13, but like this turned into a big passion of yours to like help others. Cause I'm sure that you were like, oh, I wish someone could have helped me back then. Right. But now you get to be that help for people. And I think sometimes it kind of stinks whenever you have like a tough situation that you had to work through, but I do feel like it provides us with like gifts to like help other people. I, I agree. And I think too, it's when you enjoy what you do, and I'm sure you probably understand this. It's like, when you enjoy what you do, you don't really feel like it's work. I mean, it's work, but 
it's not work, if that makes sense. Like I always tell people, I'm like, I'm already retired because if I wasn't doing anything with my life, like I would be like searching for something to do. Yeah. So like if what I do pays the bills and I get to coach people, I get to help people on my own time. Like I've already made it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love coaching and to kind of um, summarize today's podcast, what is one piece of advice that you would have for someone who is maybe recognizing that their relationship with food has some gaps or cracks going on in it? What's what one piece of advice would you have for that person who is wanting to maybe make a change and um, face some of those fears that they have? I think the first step is just that awareness, because if you aren't, if you, I guess just, I should say, if you are in denial that nothing is, nothing bad's happening, then nothing's going to change. But if you are aware of exactly the things that you're struggling with and you're not happy about it, always start by asking yourself, like, who do I want to become? You know, what version of myself do I want to be? And Mm -hmm. what things am I doing in my day to day that don't get me there, that aren't in alignment with who I want to be? And I think sometimes when you can take like kind of a like a backstep approach of like, okay, this is where I want to be. These are the things that I'm doing that don't get me there how can I flip the script there? What are some Mm -hmm. things in my day-to-day that I can actually take to get me one step closer to that version of myself that I want to be, you know? I think you can even like break that down into behaviors, into habits that you have. Um, And obviously I think this is where reaching out for support. If you're like, I've tried to, you know, take these steps, but I keep going back to old ways. It's like, that's, I think when we need to kind of pull in a coach, but I think that some people can do those things on their own. Yeah. Awareness is huge. And once you have that awareness, it's kind of up to you on if you want to take that leap and get better because many people struggle for years and years and they're like, I'm kind of okay with struggling. And I know that sounds sad, but when you do decide that you want better for yourself, you can have a better life. Like it doesn't have to be about food obsession all the time or exercise obsession. Like I promise you, like there is going to be happiness and balance. And again, a lot of these people say, I just want to be normal. I promise you, you can find those things for yourself, but you will have to challenge yourself and you will have to get through some of these um, hurdles, but you can definitely do it. You just have to believe that you can do it too. Mm -hmm. And of course, having a coach helps because it's a lot harder. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's a lot harder to do alone. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'll even admit, like I'm a dietitian. I've had coaches. Like I think sometimes coaches need coaches. So Mm -hmm. I've actually worked with other dietitians who had struggled with food. So it's like, there's never, I guess, shame in needing support. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. That reminds me of a message I got the other day. And someone asked me if I had a coach and I literally responded saying, well, do doctors have doctors? And she's like, Oh, I guess so. She's like, I just thought that if someone has like the knowledge, like why do they have a coach? And it's not that you have the knowledge. It's just that you want to look at yourself from an outward perspective. And all of us can be so subjective with ourselves and it's hard to make any sort of decision at that spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as humans, we always grow from other people. Yeah, definitely. So Emmy, where can people find you if they're wanting to get into contact with you or maybe even shoot you a message? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at Emmy's Yummies. So it's really simple. Or you can reach me on my website as well, which is also linked to my Instagram. Okay. You on TikTok, anything like that? 
I am. My TikTok sucks, but I post on there. Uh, yeah, TikTok's the whole other thing. Perfect. Well, for anyone listening, I'm going to leave Emmy's information down below. And thank you again. Of course.